Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. At Kroger, we want our fresh produce to meet your expectations. To make sure a bad apple won't spoil the whole bunch, we do up to a 27-point inspection on our fruits and veggies. We check for things like sunburns and scarring, making sure you only get the crunchiest apples. In fact, only the best produce like juicy pears, zesty oranges, and crisp carrots reach our shelves. Because when it comes to fresh, our higher standards mean fresher produce. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, hey, everybody. What's up? I hope you guys are having a blessed day. I'm glad you've joined me on My Doula Micah. I was looking back at some of my uh, podcast episodes that I've been doing and realized that there's not really an episode that's just kind of this basic get to know a little about who I am, um, who I am as a person, a little bit of my background. Um, anyway, and so I thought, okay, now would be a good time for me to share some of that with you guys. I've had several people actually ask me, uh, some questions, you know, about, uh, different things about who I am. Some serious, some not so serious, like, you know, my favorite color. I think it's blue because I pretty much like all shades of blue. It's very calming. The walls in my living room are blue. So I think it's blue. Uh, but I also really like that fresh green spring color. I love plants in my house. No, not real plants. <laughs> Fake plants because I can't keep plants alive or pets. I'm doing good to raise children, right? Uh, so not real plants, but I do like that fresh green color. But I, I think my favorite color is blue. Um, you know, what kind of uh, scent, like fragrance do I like? in perfume or body spray or whatever. I'm not a super floral kind of gal. Um, not big on pinks or, uh, like romantic ruffle kind of things. Um, so, you know, a fragrance, probably a little bit more musky. I don't know, you guys. Um, my choice of exercise is dancing. I, you know, I, I think I can lift. I know I can lift weights. I'd like to lift weights. I should lift weights. At my age, you're supposed to be building muscle. Uh, but my preference is to dance. So, I mean, yeah, there's fun little things like that that hopefully, uh, you know, along the way as I um, have different guests in the studio with me or I'm talking about different things, I'll drop those little uh, nuggets along the way of, uh, insignificant things that are a little bit about me. But um, I'll just start real quickly at the beginning. I'm not going to give you all all the boring or gory details about my life, but just a basic knowledge of my of who I am. Um, I was born in Arkansas, Arkadelphia, Arkansas. Um, I'm the oldest of four kids, even though most people think I'm like the second to the youngest. Most people ha don't know that I am the oldest. They think my sister is the oldest. Um, 
And a lot of that just has to do with relationships and, you know, who was bossier, who got married first, who acts more mature, who, you know, who had their issues and was the problem child. Me. Um, let's see. Um, at a young, let's see, I was about in sixth grade uh, when my parents got a divorce. And so I am one of those kids that grew up in um, a home where I'm playing double duty. I got to go see my mom and then I got to go see my dad. And it's just back and forth. And that is difficult. That is not easy. Um, and so I uh, can relate to anyone that has been in a family where divorce has been present. And uh, more and more now in this day and age, we're seeing more people that are getting divorced. And it's it's hard, y'all. It's, it's super hard. Um, but I learned a lot of things from it. And obviously, you know, all of us can grow from those difficult things, from those, from those hard things. And, and when I was a kid, when my parents got divorced, I can remember being really, really stressed as the oldest because I wanted to make sure that my siblings were okay and kind of took on this role of protecting them and making sure they were okay. There's this one story that uh, my family tells about me. Um, so my, I, we were at, we were with my dad, all four of us, and he, he was working and, but we needed to go, we had to have groceries from the grocery store. And so he told me that he, he said, Hey, I'm going to drop you. I guess I couldn't drive. I was like, I don't know. I don't know how old I was, but I couldn't drive. He said, I'm gonna drop you off the grocery store and I want you to go shopping. And he said, buy whatever you want. You cannot do this wrong. It doesn't matter what you buy. We just need food. I was, and he said, and then, you know, call me when you're done and I'll come pick you up. Okay. So I was in the store for two hours, stressing, trying to think of all the things that everybody wanted to eat. What were their favorite things? What are they not going to like? Does this have too much sugar in it? Am I spending too much money? And I broke down in the grocery store and called my dad and he pulls up and I walk out with no groceries. And he's like, what? is wrong. What happened? I said, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I'm so afraid I'm going to mess up. I'm going to be so worried about it. He goes, babe, I told you, you can't mess up. Just, we just need food. It's no big deal. And I was like, I can't do it. So he picked up my sister instead and dropped her off, told her the same thing. And she comes home with all of her favorite items to eat <laughs> and sugar out the wazoo and soda and chips oh my gosh it was horrible and he was so happy that she did it and I mean I was just like that's I was just very hard on myself growing up and I did not want to do anything wrong um and that all changed when I got in high school um I you know everybody has their friend groups and um my friend group we were you know we were good girls um not not dorky um not immature. I mean, we had lots of friends, but we were the good ones. Like we weren't out partying all the time and you know, that kind of stuff. But within our friend group, I was the bad child. And I don't even know what that means. When I think back to it, I was like, I mean, I was a little bit more, I was a lot more outgoing than they were. I had kind of crazy ideas. Um, I did date more than they did, but I mean, you know, I wouldn't like, uh, setting things on fire or anything but within our group I was labeled the bad child um which is fine I guess everybody has to be within a friend group um both my parents did get remarried to 
some wonderful, wonderful people, believe it or not. Um, neither one of them uh, had ever been married before and they had no kids. And so that kept <laughs> things very simple. I know a lot of people that those blended families can take some time uh, to work things out, but uh, we didn't, we didn't have to do that. So that, that definitely made things a lot simpler and, and they are amazing uh, step parents for sure. Uh, my dad passed away. Um, when he was 58, I was already an adult and I had, you know, five of our children already. I don't remember how old I was. I'm terrible with numbers and ages and dates and things like that. Um, so that was tough. I mean, anybody who's lost a parent, um, knows how difficult that is. And, um, a lot, you know, surrounding someone's death and, you know, you go back and rethink a lot of conversations. You go back and, you know, wonder, Hey, could this have been different? Could this have been better? Or, you know, did they know that I love them and all that stuff? And, you know, I, I will say that I really had to give myself permission to not be okay for a while. And I think a lot of people who are dealing with that, uh, the death of a loved one, it's like, you know, you're supposed to be okay at some point, you know, you're supposed to get to a, a place in life where you're good. Um, that's where you want to be. But oftentimes we skip that step. And, you know, we don't let it be okay that we're mad. We don't let it be okay that um, we're still hurting or we're still crying. We don't let it be okay that, oh my gosh, I feel so guilty. I didn't think about them today. You know, we don't let those just normal things be okay and a part of our process and a part of our lives. And so anybody that um, is dealing with that currently, or it's something that you're still struggling over, please give yourself permission to not be okay or to not do this well. There's not a right way to handle someone dying in your life. There's not a right way to handle that. Nobody does that beautifully. You know, it's just rough. It's just hard. Um, So I don't know if anybody needed to hear that, but there you go. Um, My, uh, my family life was, you know, not perfect. My extended family ancestors, uh, uncles, aunts, parents, grandparents, you name it. I mean, it's not a perfect family. We deal with the same things that the rest of the world deal with, uh, drug abuse, alcoholism, um, affairs, um, too religious, uh, judgmental, unforgiveness, um, bad marriages, like I said, divorce. Uh, I mean, y'all, it's just, we all do. We all have our issues. Every family has their issues. And, you know, anybody that says their family life is perfect, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to challenge that. I mean, my family now, I mean, my, my life now, I can say this, is good. I, I am happy. I am content. But it is not without its issues. And, you know, it is not without the things that daily I have to work through or need to talk about or process, right? And so, I know oftentimes on the show, you guys hear a lot of the good things or you hear my strengths. Um, I talk about things that I know or that I'm good at um, because I'm not going to talk about things that I don't know. You don't want to hear from me unless it's something I understand, right? I, I can't give something away that I don't personally have or own. But there's so many things about me and about my life that are I'm just a normal person. You know, it, it's not it's not perfect. Um you know, I did say earlier about, you know, my high school career, I had one boyfriend that 
I was serious about, thought I was in love, he broke my heart, and then after that, y'all, I just dated, I just dated a lot, I was never serious, never serious again until my husband, honestly, and so, you know, we all deal with our love stories too, I mean, it's, I think the, I think what I'm trying to communicate in this one is that you're listening to someone, you're hearing from someone uh, weekly on these episodes that I'm no different than the rest of you. You know, I'm just a regular person and my life has its positive things and my life has its negative things. Um, Let's see. I was really good at a lot of things in high school. I mean, I was an athlete. I um, was a a musical. I, I mean, like I sang in the choir. I was the lead role in our play that we did. Um, and so I was good at a lot of things, um, had good friends and all that, but I was never great at anything. You know, does anybody else feel that way? I was like, I I never felt like I was in the spotlight and really shining about something, you know, and I had people around me that were, but I was good at a lot of things. And so that has its pros and cons. You know, I can, I don't know. I've got lots of friends and different spheres of influence because there are many different things that I enjoy and many different things that I like and that I'm good at. Um, but sometimes you feel like, okay, wait, what is my thing that I'm known for and I'm the best at and everybody, you know, has their opinion of me that's great and high and blah, blah, blah about this thing that I do well. And I don't know if that's just me or if everybody feels that way that they want to be known for one thing that they've done that is just really great and better than everybody else. So if that's just me and my personality, if that's a character flaw, (laughs) then ignore it. But I kind of suspect that many of us deal with that. Many of us think that way, but it's okay that we're not all a professional at something, you know? Uh, Anyway, uh, let's see. Married at 21 years old. Um, we got pregnant three months after we got married. And I proceeded to raise a family with six kids. Uh, so that is a majority of my life. Can I just say, I think I've said this before, I hate being pregnant. I'm the worst pregnant person on the face of this earth. Like, I can't stand it. Um, and I actually didn't love breastfeeding. Shh, don't tell. I did it. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I could do it. At Kroger, we want our fresh produce to meet your expectations. To make sure a bad apple won't spoil the whole bunch, we do up to a 27-point inspection on our fruits and veggies. We check for things like sunburns and scarring, making sure you only get the crunchiest apples. In fact, only the best produce like juicy pears, zesty oranges, and crisp carrots reach our shelves. Because when it comes to fresh, our higher standards mean fresher produce. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Um, but I know a lot of women that are, they love breastfeeding. Like it is, they just love it. And that, I, I don't. I mean, I did it because it's what was best for my baby. But no, wasn't in love with breastfeeding. Um, and as a young mom, y'all, I was I was really hard on myself. Um, I... I really felt like that if I was wanting a break from my kids, that that meant I was selfish. And if I'm selfish, that means I'm a bad mom. Like I really, really believed that. Um, and 
y'all, this was my downfall, if I was going to be honest, um, in terms of not being a good mom, uh, because I ignored myself and my, my needs. Um, and this meant that I was not healthy. I wasn't physically healthy. I wasn't mentally healthy. Um, most of the time I felt very empty. Like I had nothing to give to my kids. I felt like I was always frustrated and demanding and resentful. And I mean, this caused damage to my family. There's just no way around it. Um, I was very confused um, as to why I wasn't in love with being a mom. I loved my kids. There's a difference. Love my kids. But I wasn't in love with being a mom. And I was just down on myself, you know. And I don't remember exactly when it happened. Um, but somewhere along the way, I realized something has to give. Um, I mean, because I was a tortured soul, y'all. I mean, I would go to bed constantly going over everything I did wrong, everything I didn't do. Um, and I just had convinced myself and believed that I just, I just wasn't a good mom. Um, and again, I don't know exactly when it happened or where it came from, but I think I was reading a book maybe. And it said, Hey, Get a piece of paper, brainstorm, and write everything down that you do in your life. Like everything. Um, big things, small things, like what consumes your time? Okay, what are you doing? And, you know, when you're a mom, there's a lot on that page. There was probably three pages of constant stuff. And um, then it said, go back and rank these things. And you're going to put them in two different categories. And... Um, if you think about a bank account, you think about um, deposits that you make into your bank account that make your bank account full. And then you have withdrawals and that takes money out of the bank account. And now your account is depleted. There's less there. See where I'm going with this? Okay, so they had us go back and rank everything that we do. What is um, a deposit in your life and what is a withdrawal in your life? So a withdrawal in your life would mean, you know, it it's... Uh, it, it, you're giving of yourself. It's taking something, some effort from you. Maybe it's a difficult thing. Maybe it's time consuming. Maybe it's something you don't like. Maybe it's hard, you know, whatever. But it is requiring something of you and it kind of takes from you. A deposit is something that you would do that fills your, it fills your cup. It gives back. Uh, you feel better after doing this thing. It's something you enjoy. And so it's a deposit in your life. So I went back and I did this and it was atrocious, the disparity there. I mean, maybe two, I'm not kidding y'all, out of a hundred things, like two or three things that I considered a deposit. Everything else was a withdrawal. It was costing me something. And that was very eye-opening. That was huge. It was a pivotal moment in my life to see that no wonder I feel empty. Like I don't have anything to give and I don't love being a mom because I don't have anything to give. There's nothing I'm doing in my life for myself that's giving back. That is a deposit. Does that make sense? And I mean, I'm just so thankful that... I finally was able to see, okay, wait, I'm not just a mom, first of all. There's many other facets to me. And, you know, I'm an, I'm an individual. I'm a strong woman. I'm a wife, a lover. I'm, I'm a faithful friend. I'm a daughter. Um, I enjoy pottery. I uh, like to write songs. I'm 
uh, I love to go out with my friends and, you know, get a drink and talk about our lives. I enjoy uh, journaling. I mean, there's just lots of things I enjoy. I don't even name all of them. Um, I love traveling, but I wasn't doing any of those things because, like I said, it felt like I was being selfish because it was for me. And not true, guys. It's just not true. Please don't spend any more of your time as a young mom feeling guilty because you have needs and there are other parts to yourself. And so why would I be telling you guys this um, on this particular episode of get to know me a little bit better? Because it's a huge part of my story. It's a huge part of why I do what I do now. I focus on young moms. I focus on helping them um, by supporting them in a very specific way in childbirth, but coincidentally throughout their lives, oftentimes my clients become friends and I'm, I'm still pouring into them and, and encouraging them and giving them permission to fail. And no, you don't always have to have the answer. You know, I want to communicate to them the things that needed to be communicated to me. I want to celebrate them. I want to encourage them. And so that's a, that's a huge part of my life. I want to, I want to be that for my kids. I want them to know that, no, you do not have to be perfect. No, it is okay to fail. I think that's probably why I was communicating earlier some of the things that are kind of wah wah about me because those things can be celebrated too. Yeah, I know that that sounds crazy to a lot of you guys, but if there's not permission to fail, then that means the only way to be is perfect. And we all know we're never going to be perfect. We all know that can't possibly be the goal because we can't achieve that. So that means it's got to be okay to fail. It's it's actually a good thing to fail. I can't remember who told me this. It might have been my husband just a couple days ago, and maybe I've heard it before. Einstein failed a thousand times at creating a light bulb or something like that. No, not Einstein. Oh, shoot. Thomas Jefferson? <laughs> no, he discovered electricity. <laughs> See, y'all, I'm not real great with the facts. I was not super academia student type person. Oh, I didn't file all that away. I didn't think it would be important to know and learn. And here I am making a fool out of myself on my podcast. No worries. The point is a thousand times before he succeeded. And so that means he failed, but he learned from it. He benefited from it. Right. And so I think it's important for you guys to, as you're listening to someone that you feel like you're getting something from you, you're getting positive things from me. Um, you're hearing something that I'm good at that you're getting to take with you. And I don't want you to forget that it's coming from a flawed person. It's coming from a person who has issues just like you do. And that actually makes, I think, hearing from an individual a little bit more bearable, especially when they're talking about things that they're good at or things that they have to give away. You're like, this person's perfect. I can never do da 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 da. I could never be blah, 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 blah. And that's, it's just simply not true. We are all in the same boat, right? Um, marriage. So my husband was the guy that came in that I was not expecting. Um, we would not have been friends in high school. He's very, very different from the typical type guy that I would have dated. But man, he came in like the knight in shining armor. He was the good guy. Y'all, I married the good guy. I am so proud of myself. <laughs> he is an amazing human being. And I'm so very thankful for him. Is he perfect? Uh, No. I'd love to list all those things, but I'm not going to embarrass him. No, he is not perfect. But... He is someone that I 100% respect. 
and listen to and I enjoy. And it, y'all all know we celebrated 30 years this year. We're thrilled. I mean, we're so, so happy. And I don't regret. I don't regret that decision. Was there a time in our marriage that I was like, what the hell was I thinking marrying this guy? Yes. Uh, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, I questioned it because there were seasons in our, in our life where marriage was hard. Okay. Everybody's going to have that. Everybody's going to have seasons where it's hard. And, and seasons where you're like, can I do this? I'm not sure. Do I love him? I think so. You know, and don't, don't let, don't let, um, big important decisions, um, happen during those times where you feel like you're doubting. You're, you're wondering if this is okay or not. Give it all you've got. You guys give it 100% first before you decide, no, this isn't going to work. Please give it everything you've got first. And because it may just be that you're in a short season of, wow, it's just hard. And, and I can tell you that a lot of our marriage issues, a huge part of those were because I, like I said earlier, was so down on myself and I wasn't getting my cup filled and all I could do was keep up with my kids and I wasn't happy. So I don't have anything to give to my husband either. And I'm, I'm not happy in my life. So guess what? I'm probably not happy in my marriage either. So once that got addressed, that issue was addressed for me as a person, as an individual, it bled over into so many areas of my life. You know, I'm not going to give marriage advice, y'all. I don't know what your personal situation is. All I'm saying is that every marriage is going to go through something hard and really stop, think, pray. If you're a prayer, um, ask and invite other people into your life and get them to speak to your, to, to your marriage and, and to see, Hey, is, is there a way, are there things that we can work on where it actually can get better? And I'm hoping that it can, I'm hoping that it is uh, salvageable and redeemable. Mike asked this a lot, Micah, what is the number one thing reason that you think you and Michael's marriage has lasted and you made it to 30 years and, and why it's healthy and why it's good. And, um, aside from us both really, uh, depending on the Lord and having a relationship, uh, with God, besides that, to me, that's a given. Um, it would be that we are friends. And what I mean by that is, um, we have more in common with each other and enjoying being together and doing things together besides just a romantic sexual relationship. Uh, we have that. It is healthy. It is positive. It is wonderful. And I'm thankful. Um, but beyond that, we have a friendship um, that we we talk to each other. <laughs> we communicate and have good conversations. We're um, not always on the same page about everything, but we, our bottom line issues, our core things are very similar, um, if not the same. Um, but we uh, both enjoy sports. Uh, so we're, we do those, we watch those things. We attend those events. Uh, we both love music. We're pretty eclectic in our music. So we listen to music together. We like to problem solve. We love games. Um, we like trips. We like traveling together. Um, anyway, there's, we're, like I said, we're friends and we want to be around each other. And I say that because I was surprised to find out that, um, even with some of my friends, uh, many of them, they, they did not have a friendship with their partner. It was 
strictly, you know, they're just husband, wife, parenting together. Um, that, that was pretty much it. They didn't share a lot of the same values or a lot of, um, they, they, their time was spent with other people because they didn't have anything that they wanted to do together. And, uh, that, I don't know. There's a part of me that's like, how does that last? I, I don't know. I mean, but I, for me, um, and my husband, I would say the number one thing is that, that we are friends, we are best friends. And that has really carried us through a whole, whole lot. Um, very thankful for that. All right. Family with six kids. And now you've had teenagers to the mix. Um, and they're not just little, it's hard in a different way, right? When you have littles, there's just a bunch of physical things you've got to do tangible things. You're just nonstop going, um, and there's a lot of training involved and anyway, tears and, and, and what I want to say is it's the same with teenagers just for different reasons. Um, they have their own lives, the things that they're interested in. So all you're running around is not in the house. It's in your car, taking them different places. You're the chauffeur for many years. Um, tears because of the drama that's surrounding their lives. <laughs> their issues are way bigger more life altering, like the two year old stealing the cookie from the cookie jar and lying about it doesn't feel as weighty as the 16 year old who snuck out in the middle of the night and took the car to go to a party, right? Bigger issue, way more implications, lots could happen. It feels more life altering, right? Um, And so that's the hard part, in my opinion about the teenage years is your parenting, Callie, it just feels like it has so much more weight to it. Like what comes out of your mouth or how you proceed or how you handle this situation. It feels like you could really mess this kid up if you do it wrong. It really has that feeling. Um, But it's also extremely rewarding. I mean, you guys watching these, you know, your little ones grow up into these little people and with their own thoughts and their their interests and and hearing their thought process about things and their emotions and watching their friend groups and seeing them excel in different things, um, being with them when they cry because they want you to be there with them because they're hurting. Um, it's just very, very rewarding. It is a double-edged sword. I, man, I, I love my kids and, and I hated it when there was anything hard in their lives, you know, and I had to keep reminding myself, Hey, you know what, Micah, there were hard things in your life too. And look where you are as an adult, you know, you're not totally destroyed off in a ditch somewhere, you know, never to return because you're so wounded. No, that that's not my story. That's not what happened to me. And so I don't, I don't have to be constantly worried and stressed that this one thing in their high school lives is going to ruin them forever. You know, um, yes, there are some things that are hard. Like, you know, I was talking about earlier, my, my father died. Well, what if it's a a kid that their father died when they were younger? Can that alter their lives? Yeah. It's going to alter their lives in some way or another. Um, but it doesn't have to destroy them as a person. And so I think, you know, as I continue, I mean, we still have two at home. We have a senior in high school who will be graduating in a few months. She's about to be 18. And then Levi, who's 14 and has four more years with us. Um, what I can say is that I have learned to enjoy the process a lot more. And 
not be so consumed by every single choice and every single thing that happens and how it will potentially destroy them. I mean, y'all, that brings no joy. That brings uh, no peace. And I'm not solving anything by feeling that way. I'm hurting myself and probably the people around me to stay in that frame of mind, you know? Um, And so I'm glad that I've been able to make that shift. It doesn't mean it's perfect, but I have been able to make that shift and it has been a lot more enjoyable for sure. Um, And our kids are not perfect, y'all. They are not. I mean, we've had kids that have dealt with the typical stuff that most teenagers deal with, you name it, they've dealt with it. I'm not going to name them because I won't expose my children like that on my podcast episode. But trust me, we have had to walk through some hard things. Um, And that's a part of parenting. Um, Anybody that tells you that there's a way to keep your kids from hitting hard times, a way to keep your kids from making bad choices that affect them for a while, any way to keep your kids from, um, I don't know, going down a bad path. Nope. There's no such thing. I'm sorry. Stop listening to that person. If you're offended by what I just said, please reach out to me. I'd be happy to explain it a little bit more if you are personally offended by that. But there's just no such thing as perfect parenting. There's no such thing as sparing your children from the hard, difficult things. So stop trying to do that. There's, we can't avoid it, but we can walk with them in it. We can help them come out on the other side. We can give them uh, good advice. We can get them help if they need ex- you know, extra help beyond just what we can give. We can do all of those things to make the journey better, maybe easier. Um, but we, we want to love them in a healthy way and expecting perfection and that our grand parenting job will keep them from messing up and being perfect kids, we're actually harming them. Okay. That's not, that's not a good idea. Y'all it doesn't work by the way either. Cause I tried that for a while. <laughs> that's why I know it doesn't work. Um, okay. Adult children and parenting. That's the new phase of my life. That's where I am currently spending a lot of my time is what does that look like as a parent when you have adult kids? Um, Because they're no longer kids, y'all. They're adults, yeah? And they're adulting. So their questions or their life or their decisions, it has a different feeling for me. It has a different weight for me. And I think one thing that I've really found that so far has brought a lot of peace and a lot of joy is that I can, you know, I can have these feelings. I can have concerns. I can be maybe sad or upset about something that's going on in my adult child's life. But at the end of the day, it is their life. And when I can let go and really (laughs) uh, accept that it doesn't have anything to do with me. I mean, yes, I'm a part of their lives, but I'm just a part of their lives. I'm not their whole world. You know, when they're little, I'm kind of their whole world. I'm a big deal. I'm mommy, you know, but as they get older and now they're adults and, you know, one of my kids has her own kids. I'm just a part of her life and, and it is her life. These are her choices. This is, um, 
her current situation. This is her life that she is celebrating. Um, these are the these are her wins. These are her losses. And and what I want to do is be a cheerleader. What I want to do is be a, an intercessor, a prayer for her life. I want to be uh, a sounding board and someone safe for her to talk to um, and and to listen. Um, but I am not her savior. I am not her um, guru. I. I shouldn't be um, the only person that is speaking into her life and that she's living the life I want her to live. I think maybe that's my point. That is not cool as a parent for her to, for me to be uh, so focused on my child, any of my kids living the life I want them to be living, the life I thought that I carved out for them or prepared them for that they're not walking in yet. Not it's not good parenting. It's uh, it's not. Um, they need us. They definitely need us, and some of them don't know they do. But most of my adult kids—I mean, I have four now—all of them have come back around to my husband and I. And this was not the tr- the case when they were teenagers, but now I mean, they value uh, what we have to say. They're asking for our input. Um, they're appreciative of any help or wisdom that we give them. They want to be around us. They have thanked us privately. They have honored us uh, publicly. And again, I think a lot of that is because we were for them, first of all, and, and we want good things for them. Um, but we really see that we have given them, hopefully, tools for them to achieve that in their lives, not for us to have achieved that for them. It's just not possible. It doesn't work that way because that means it's not really theirs. They don't have ownership of whatever that thing is that you created for them, that you achieved on their behalf. They don't have ownership of that. It's something they're borrowing from you and calling it their own. And that, that won't last and it won't really bring them complete happiness or fulfillment y'all I'm getting real deep goodness gracious okay um what's ahead for me I mean soon we're going to be empty nesters which is crazy we used to play this game uh the kids primarily would play this game and you know I don't know they're 10 and 8 uh 6 5 and Three, who knows? Okay, we're playing this game and we're eating dinner. And how old is everybody going to be in 10 years? Or hey, how old is everybody going to be in two years? And so we'd play this game. And I told Michael uh, maybe just a couple of nights ago, oh my gosh, we are living in the game I hated. (laughs) You know, projecting how old is everybody going to be at this particular time? I mean, we're there. I'm like in it. It's so crazy. And so I know we are not a long ways off from our family family continuing to grow because my kids are getting married and my kids are having kids, right? Um, we're about to lose another one and we're just going to have one still in the house. And so when I look forward, um, you know, a little bit about me, if you want to know what I'm thinking about as I look forward, I want to create a space li- literally and figuratively um, create a space, our home, um, and our lives to be a place, to be a haven for my grown children and their families, our grandchildren. I want for them to 
not feel like, oh gosh, we got to go visit mom and dad. <laughs> you know, I mean, they may feel that way sometimes. So that's okay if they do. I, I, I don't want them to feel that way, but they may uh, because their lives are going to get busy. And I know what that's like. It's hard, you know, to find space to travel and go visit relatives when you got a large family. It just is. What I really want, though, is for them to feel like, hey, I know that place. And I know those people and I'm at home there. I am welcomed there. I am known. Um, I'm cared for. And um, this is a place where I get refueled. This is a place where I am safe. This is a place where I get fresh ideas. This is a place where I'm encouraged to use my imagination and take risks. This is a place where I'm prayed for. This is a place where my kids are being poured into. That, that, that really is what I want, you guys. Um, I am not exactly sure how to achieve that because I'm not totally there yet. I mean, I have some ideas, I have some plans, um, but I'm not there yet. I'm on the journey and, and all of us, everybody that is listening to me today, you are on the journey in your life somewhere in that journey. Um, we're, we're all in process. Um, we're all facing a part of our lives where we've all left a, a season, a, a place, we've left a place that we no longer are anymore. Um, and so then we find ourselves in a, in a present, um, a, a present opportunity for choosing a present opportunity for what does my life look like right now? What should I be consumed with? Where do I spend my time? Who should be in my life? Um, and then there, we're all facing a potential future, right? Of what our lives will shift, what they're going to look like. And, I will say that what one thing I have learned the hard way um, is that you want to stay present. You want to stay in the moment and current. Y'all, there is absolutely nothing to do with your past. There might be something back there that you need to process and talk with somebody about to get some healing. Got it. Okay. And there may be something from your past you've carried with you and it is a good thing. You know, it's a, it has shaped you and it is a part of who you are now. Excellent. That that's, that's what our past is good for to learn from, to benefit from. That's about it though. Um, and the future obviously is not here yet. I mean, I can't, I mean, what I told y'all about being an empty nester, y'all, I'm still four years away from completely being an empty nester. And my home is not at a stage in life where I want it to be to create that space that I was just telling y'all about. There's, I got a long way to go on that, you know? Um, so I can't spend that one yet. I can't really ultimately do anything about that one yet. Uh, I can kind of dream about it and think about maybe how I would enjoy it or maybe a plan of attack, but I'm not there. So all I can really do is live in the moment and be very present and current with where I find myself in my life right now. That's all I can do. And it is the most healthy place for me to be and the most healthy place for me to live and to abide and to enjoy and to ponder and to maybe make different choices, better choices, maybe evaluate um, because I can't change the past. I can't evaluate the past and change it. Uh, and there's nothing to change about my future. So the only thing I can really change is right now and evaluate. And I haven't had a chance to make this official a statement yet um, on my podcast. I have um, on my website and other ways and, you know, phone calls and friends and, of course, colleagues. Um, but I just recently uh, retired my birth doula services here in the Waco area. 
because I know, and I have known for probably a year or two, that there, it's time for me to move on to what's next. And I'm excited to share more and more about that journey with all of you um, as it keeps coming forward and, and coming to fruition. And as I continue to make choices presently um, for me to be walking in that completely. Um, but my point is that when I stop and think about my life right now and, and what I need to be doing, what is um, me being current, what is past and what needs to be the future, me retiring from birth doula services was a huge chunk of what I knew I needed to do and a decision that I needed to make. Bittersweet, you guys, I'm not going to lie. Bittersweet. It was very hard uh, talking to my current doulas. Um, and telling them this is what I'm doing and super hard, lots of tears. I mean, my, the past 20 years, this is what I've been doing. And so, yeah, there's some risk involved. I'm, I'm a little bit scared in one way. Scared is not the right word. Maybe apprehensive, uh, to end something. I'm not apprehensive about what's next. I'm just excited about what ne what's next. So, so excited. Can't Like I said, can't wait to share that with you guys. And I'm using this as an example um, for you guys um, so that you can truly embrace your present state <laughs> of your life, the journey that you are in. And if it is a young mom of littles, please try not to rush that too much. Please try to be in the moment. Um, Love those babies, enjoy them, pour into them. Um, you don't have a lot more on your plate um, in terms of where you should be pouring in. I mean, you know, those of you that have full-time jobs, obviously time goes there and you want to do your job well for sure. But when it comes to that that life heart investment, that goes in those it goes into your kids, you know, it, it, it really does. And they will benefit from it. Um, and, and remember what I said about self-care, make sure you're getting those deposits, you know, be present in your life. Don't dream and wait for when my kids are older, then I'll blah, 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 blah. Well, maybe you could do some of that now, right? Maybe you could be enjoying a piece of whatever that thing is that you think you got to wait for, for your future. Be, um, I keep saying it the same way. I keep hoping I'll have another way to word it, but I don't know that I can be, be very present um, and, and awake and alert and involved and available to your present everyday life right now. And I really think that it's going to produce a lot more joy for you. Um, like I said, I'm excited to continue to move forward with you guys. I wanted to do this episode of just, hey, getting to know a little bit about me, who you're listening to. Maybe you get a better picture of who I am just as a person. Um, and then enjoy the ride and the journey with me as I move forward uh, with what's next. And so more on that to come. You guys have a great day. Hey, thanks for joining me on Game Day, Birds Not Balls. You can follow me on my Instagram page at Micah. You can also find me on WacoDoula.com, WacoDoula is on Facebook. And if you like what you heard, you can subscribe or you can find us on RogueMediaNetwork.com. Thanks for joining us.